Have you ever heard the story of the believer and the flood? It goes like this. There once was a man who lived in a two-story house. The house was near the river, and unfortunately, the river began to flood. As the river rose, warnings were given via radio, TV, shortwave. Large jeeps drove through the area to evacuate people. As a jeep drove by the man's house, he was told, You are in danger. Your life is at stake. You must evacuate. Get in the jeep. No, the man replied from his doorstep. I have faith. I will be okay. The flood won't get me. God will take care of me. The water continued to rise. Soon, the man was on the second floor. A boat was going through the area and arrived at the man's house. Rescuers made every effort to convince the man to take action so that his life would be saved. You are in danger. Your life is at stake. You will drown in the flood. No worries, says the man. I have faith. Everything is okay. Even though the flood is rising, I will be fine. God will take care of me. The flood continued to rise. The man went to the roof to avoid the rising water. A helicopter pilot sees him on top of the roof and hovers above the man. Using a megaphone, the pilot tries to convince the man to grab the rope ladder which was dangling above his head. You are in danger. The flood is still rising. You will drown if you do not grab the rope ladder. Let us help you. It's cool, says the man. I'll be fine. Yes, the flood is higher, but I have faith. God will take care of me. The flood rises. The man drowns. At the gates of heaven, the man says to God, I had faith. You let me die. To which God replies, I sent you a jeep, a boat, and a helicopter. What more could I have done for you? Everybody loved that story, don't they? both believers and unbelievers, because it's a very practical story. You see, believers love this story because it mentions God. Unbelievers love this story because it's practical. And unbelievers love showing how each and every one of us, men and women, have to take responsibility for their lives. One of the temptations of Christ was to jump off the cliff of the mountain. The devil told him, jump and order your angels to catch you. And Yeshua said, it also says, do not test the Lord your God. Yes, God might save you. When you're in a car accident and another car hits you, you have nothing to do about it. You know, he might save you. He might not. But at the same time, don't go jumping into the road hoping that he will. <laughs> because Newsflash, he won't. And yet, everybody loves this story. It's a very practical story. But I actually have another story to tell you. And that is the story of Europe in the 20th century. Which is a very similar story when you think about it. Now, as you all know, anti-Semitism is nothing new. It existed long before the 20th century. However, in the very late 19th century, that is when anti-Semitism really started to rise. And back in 1879, the slogan of do not vote for the Jews 
came out in the election for the national pro-Russian parliament. And as you may know, after World War One, the Balfour Declaration came out that allowed all the Jews of Europe to return to their ancestral homeland of Israel that was promised to Abraham for his descendants forever by God himself. So after the First World War, there came a declaration that allowed all the Jewish people to return to the homeland of Israel. All of them. They could get up and get out. But they didn't. And a few years later, anti-Semitism, aka the flood, started rising in Europe. It started accelerating. Many Jews were warned. And they said, ah, nonsense. Ah, this too shall pass. God will save me. Even though God has provided them a boat and called them to return to the land of Israel. In 1923, 30,000 men attacked Jews in Berlin and robbed almost a thousand Jewish-owned shops. The level of the water kept rising. September 1931, the pogroms started, where Nazi bullies started attacking Jewish people coming out of the synagogues in Erev Rosh Hashanah, the eve of the day of trumpeting. They shattered many Jewish stores. The water kept rising. Yet, the Jewish people have refused to evacuate. One boat after another, and they stay. When the Nazis came into power in 1933, that's 10 years after 1923, which was the initial attack I mentioned 30 seconds ago. 10 years later, the Nazis came into power and the situation got much, much worse for the Jews in Germany. And yet it was a gradual process in which in the beginning, every Jew that wanted to leave Germany with his property was allowed to do that. The helicopters are leaving. Do you want to hold on to the ladder or do you want to stay? No, thank you. We'll stay here. God will take care of us. And so the helicopter flew away. You know the rest of the story. Not too long after that, the borders were shut. No Jew can leave. Some go to the concentration camps. Some go to the death camps. They get a tag on their hand the mark of the Jew, right? They all get a Juden tag attached to their hand. They get a number tattooed on their wrist. Nobody likes that story, right? Nobody cares about the first story because the first story, it's all nice and games. You know, it's, it's kind of like a moral story. It has no emotional attachment. It's just this one guy and it's, it's a story. So everybody loves making fun of it, but nobody pays attention to the fact that he died. And yet the second story that involves six million Jews comes too close to home, doesn't it? And everybody loves saying, where was God? How can the Holocaust happen if there was God? Well, how did the first man drown if there is God? Why did God not save him? Ah, you don't want to ask those questions, do you? You see, God told you that you could come back to the land of Israel. God promised Abraham 
This is the land I have given to you and your descendants forever. World War I ended 1918. Balfour Declaration allowing all the Jews of Europe to return to their homeland. But did they? No. They stayed. God will take care of me. The water kept rising. The boats are leaving. God will take care of me. The boats are, more boats are leaving. The water keep rising and keep rising until it's too late. And then you drown. And then you say, where was God? Let me tell you another story. The story of the Exodus. When Moses brought up the people of Israel out of Egypt, of the land of slavery, two and a half million people. Didn't take them long to start complaining. Ah, why did you bring us out of here? We want to go back to Egypt. We wish we would have stayed there. We had good food. We had a home to live. Why did you bring us over here into the desert just so we can die? And guess what? They also got what we wanted. You see, even though they got out of Egypt, they wished they could go back. And you know what God did? He let them make their wish come true. They did die in the desert. A whole generation of them, two and a half million people. But nobody likes talking about that. Where was God when those two and a half million Jews died in the desert on a 40-year journey from Egypt to Israel? Where was God? Well, God allowed them to die, didn't he? Now, I'm not saying that God killed those six million Jews in Germany. He absolutely did not. What happened to them was horrible. It was absolutely terrible. The Nazis were inhumane. It is an absolute horror story that happened. And yet, all of it could have been avoided if only the Jewish people had their hearts after God and returned to the land he has promised to their ancestors, the land of Israel. And because they didn't, the rest is history. Interesting, isn't it? But enough talking about the past. I know that you guys love talking about history that repeats itself. So let's talk about the future. Let's talk about what's coming next. Spoiler alert, the Holocaust is coming back. Except this time, it is not going to be the Nazis against the Jews in the land of Germany. It is going to be the devil against all of you in the entire world. A time is coming where no man can walk. The only way to be saved is to know the Lord, to trust in the Lord, to walk in his path. Those who will, will survive. But those who do not, will not. See, the beast is coming for you. And those who do not know the Lord will receive the mark of the beast. They will take the mark upon their hand or upon their forehead, just like the Jews in Germany. They had the mark, the Juden tag, but this time it's gonna be the devil's tag, and you're gonna take it. You know why? Because if you do not know the Lord now, you will not know him later. 
a famine is upon us, except that this famine is not of food and water, but it is a famine of the word of God. A time is coming where no man can walk. If you do not use the time you have to get to know the Lord while you have a chance, a time is coming when you will not get a chance. The mark of the Lord is coming for you, and you will take it. You will take it, because you do not follow the Lord. You do not walk in the light, and you are just like those Jewish people in Germany. Nah, hey, it'll be okay. God will say, God will take care of me. God will save me. The warning signs, the water is rising. Look around you. Check the news. Rumors of war, earthquakes, famines. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of the end. The times of trouble, the trouble for the people of Jacob, the trials and tribulations. A time is coming when all of you are going to be gathered into a concentration camp and executed in the gas chambers. And the only ones who will survive are the ones who know the Lord. Do not end up like the five virgins who did not have enough oil, because that oil is the word of the Lord. And when the groom comes, it will be too late to get more oil. Those who have will be given more, and those who do not have, even the little they do have, will be taken away from them. Your life is in your hand. It is time you make your decision, because once you take the mark of the beast, it's game over. You have crossed the point of no return. It is finished. You're dead.